0: This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes.
1: And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nail it. This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Chrissy Taylor started following the Kentucky bourbon trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at Revelton DC or their website, www.reveltondistilling.com.
2: Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Bitter Units, a podcast. Of Three Beards Media. Who of the Beards are here? That's Tim. It's myself. The third person that's usually here who is not part of the Three Beards, JT, just didn't show up. We don't know where he is. Not sure we really care where he is, but he might show up in the middle here. So if you hear him, I didn't introduce him. Sorry, but he's not here right now. Who is here right now is our guest, and Tim. Why don't you tell us who that is?
0: Yeah, uh, this is a guy I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a while, and it's not because of, you know, any other reason than we just haven't made schedules work. We've actually even had some of his beer on the podcast because we had Ariel. If you recall, Ariel Keaton was our guest, and she had Sun Pillar as her beer. Oh, yeah. uh, That she brought on the podcast, So, um, which is also one that I've mentioned as On My Desert Island list is is sun pillar uh which i tell andy all the time and he still manages to maintain a certain amount of humility with it all but um andy is a guy that i've known for a, a decade maybe we actually kind of come from the same brewing pedigree so to speak through the same kind of initial group of brewers uh the brewing tree that came out of, of Lucid and all of that. We did the American Brewers Guild program. We, we've done a lot of the same things, but uh, he's someone who I regularly bounce questions off of. Uh, he's very, very informative. He's also probably the one of the best lager brewers in the entire state. Uh, so anyway, I'm very excited to finally have on my friend, Andy Rulin from Bad Weather Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota. Andy, How's welcome. Yeah, Andy, welcome to Bitter Units. Thanks for having
3: me, guys.
2: Stoked to be here. Oh, uh, loggers,
4: <laughs> just
2: just the best. They are I'm so, I'm so glad they're having a resurgence.
5: Yeah, um, they they really are.
0: So. Uh,
2: it, it, Oh, go ahead, Tim.
0: No, I was gonna say, why don't we go ahead and for our guest, let Andy actually kind of introduce himself and tell a little bit more about who he is other than what I said.
3: So, oh, yeah, like Tim was saying, I um, we met years ago, started uh, brewing. Well, I started volunteering at um, a new brewery at the time, it was called Lucid Brewing. They were building out a brewery in Manitonka. I met Eric, the owner, at the grand opening of um, Steel Till. and he mentioned something about um, maybe needing some help, and I just grasped onto that. I think I pestered him for a couple months before he responded to one of my texts. Like, <laughs> hey, yeah, come on by, and you can wash kegs. And I said, all right, I'm in. So I um, volunteered there for about six months um, while I was still working at my full time job as a bicycle mechanic, and then they hired me on part time, and then kind of just transferred up from there, from part time to full time, and then. Ultimately, went to school at the American Brewers Guild while I was working at Lucid. So, and um, yeah, just kind of saw the startup of three, four different businesses in one building, which was kind of cool. You know, when we first opened, first started, it was Lucid, Badger Badger Hill Brewing. Shortly thereafter, Bad Weather Brewing started brewing in house there. That's how I met Zach and Joe, and Logan of Bad Weather. And then um, Prize came on there, too. Prize was making beer there before they built their facility over in Minneapolis. So, um, uh, yeah, worked at Lucid for, I think, three three or four years. And then when um, Zach and Joe were building out their place in St. Paul, um, they reached out to me about um, the, the position of head brewer. So um, I didn't think I was ready at the time, but I kind of took my experience as a bicycle, bicycle mechanic. Um, I was a head head mechanic there for at Eric's bike shop for quite a few years and I didn't think I was ready for that role either and I just kind of went into it hard and heavy and I took the same mentality um, taking on the role at at Bad Weather so started brewing there when did we open I think the eight years ago this fall uh, at the facility in St. Paul so um, and yeah it's been um, a great eight years 10 11 12 years as a brewer so I love it it's great it's a it's a fun job So yeah, that's a little bit about me and where I am and how I got there. So
0: That whole kind of experience of brewing at a facility that launched four other brands, you got exposed to a lot of different things, not just uh, beer styles, but ownership groups and ways of doing business. So while it was all one prop, uh everyone kind of has their own little take on what that meant back i mean 2012 when all that first started uh to you know 2014 when the brand started to to kind of diverge off uh there was a lot of change happening in the industry here in minnesota
3: there was and it was it was it was a really crazy environment at lucid so you know we're making beer for at one point four breweries i wasn't really involved too much when prize started i had kind of moved over to bad weather full-time but you know early on making beer for lucid bad weather and, and and badger hill was a pretty chaotic environment there was you know we were constantly bottling something usually every day the line was running um so it got it was a way for me to kind of get into the business pretty quickly in terms of this is what this work environment can be like. It can be chaotic and and you have to be on your toes all the time. So, and I, I learned a lot and learned, probably learned a lot really fast. So that brew house was mostly manual. Um, you learned a lot um, about, you know, fluid dynamics and cooling efficiencies and how things work and how things don't work so well. So um, yeah, it was kind of an exciting time to be getting into the industry. There was a lot of excitement we didn't have a tap room there, but we'd have, um, we'd sell growlers. So we'd have, you know, taste things every Friday. We were usually bottling and then there'd be a tour roaming around the the brewery. So um, yeah, it was kind of a cool, fun environment to be around. Do you suppose starting in a brewery like that
2: where you had all those different uh, modalities, I guess, of, of how things are getting done and, I don't know that much about the four separate breweries, but I'm assuming they probably had some varying style differences. Um, And the way recipes are created is individual and all that. Did it help you to kind of decide how you would go about it? If you, if, when you ended up getting the, like a head brewer's job, like what direction
3: did it, did it shape your arc, so to speak? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, You know, Eric and John were kind of making just a couple of pretty basic beers to start. Air was just like a, it was a blonde ale, but had, it was made with citrus. So it had this really nice hop character to it. Uh, And then they made camel, which was like this really hoppy, they called it a double pale ale, I think is what it was technically called, but they were using hop extracts at the time, like right off the bat. So I was kind of getting used to using those. Uh, Badger Hill, you know, Brock and Brittany and Brent were kind of a different, Mentality. They were using some different yeast strains. They were using a lot of like Belgian and German German yeast strains. So that got, kind of got me into um, what Belgian beer can taste like. I mean, um, you know, Three Tree was an early one, and then um, um, MSB was kind of an a unique type of bitter. Um, so yeah, it was it was a way to see different um, philosophies on how to make beer. Um, Zach and Joe were kind of at the time were going off of just like basic styles like migration was just a plain blonde ale but then they had a little tweak by adding rose hips. Um, Wind Vane was a red IPA not just your traditional like American IPA they added a little extra malt character to that. So yeah there was definitely um, fun to see and brew like we were just taking these recipes like this is this is Bad Weather's recipe. This is how you make it. So you just follow their recipe and then follow Badger Hills and then follow um, Lucid. So it was, it was a cool learning experience to learn about different types of ingredients and yeast. We, we were using a lot of different yeast strains, which was tough managing I don't know, I mean, <laughs> a lot of different yeast strains in-house that can be really tricky. I, um, I mean- I mean, you you
0: also learned a lot of what not to do through that experience as well. Yeah. To be fair,
3: yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that was a uh, kind of scr- scr- scrambled together brew house environment. So um, the brew house was functional, but it had a lot of issues. So when we were building the brewery and at bad weather, you know, I had a lot of stuff in back of my head about. What does and doesn't work um just from experience so that was a big big plus um so yeah there was definitely some of that
0: yeah I mean, I mean your your build out i think you got uh the advantage of learning from not just the fact that what did and didn't work at the original lucid location but also watching people like what brock and brit and brent went through their build out and some of those yeah. other things, you got an opportunity to, to now learn from multiple brands at the same time uh, as that build out went.
3: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was able to go um, come down to Badger too and see the brew house because we were buying equipment from the same company. So mm-hmm. I, I think you and, and Chase at the time gave me a lot of good pointers on stuff that didn't necessarily work out so well with that equipment. So, um, and what did work well, I mean, it was kind of a, another learning experience for us while we were in talks with Abe. I'm like, Hey, can you change this? And can you change that on the, on the schematic or change these, you know, change the way the cooling jackets are on the fermenters and just little tweaks like that, that um, ultimately will make a better work environment, more efficient brewery. And that's what's, we're all, we're always striving to be efficient. And um, yeah, there was a lot of that with the build out.
0: So uh, before you even got into working with with uh, Zach and Joe, you got an opportunity to kind of flex your your brewing muscles a little bit. I, I remember one time, boy God, this must have been 10, 11 years ago. I don't know what Lucid sent. Maybe it was at GABF. It was something CBC something uh, Joel Codner down in Florida was raving about Gosler. He, oh. had, he had it at something. I don't know what he had it at. I can't remember at this point. This has been over a decade. Joel's yeah. a, a good friend of the podcast, um, but I'd, I remember having like a, a certain amount of pride. I was like, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, not that I had any, like, I didn't have a single thing to do with that, right? But like, yeah. just a certain amount of pride that, hey, it's a Minnesota thing. It's my friend Andy. Yeah, look at that.
3: Yeah, I stumbled across the Goza style homebrewing and I just kind of fell in love with it. And then when Eric gave me the, he's like, hey, do you want to make your own, make, write up a recipe? I was like, hell yeah. I think I was in the middle of brewing school. Um, So everything was fresh in my head in terms of like recipe development, how to calculate the malt bill, the hot bill, all that jazz. So, um, so yeah, I started compiling together the first Goza recipe. The first brew was a total disaster. All, all of my homebrew versions, I had used 20% acid malt, and it was fine. And then scaling that up did not work. So I did the same methods, um, did a main sacrification rest, and then after 45 minutes, milled in all of the acid malt, which turned the mash into tomato. It was paste. I
0: was gonna say, it was just muddy cement at that point.
3: Yep, so that was a learning experience, you know. You lower the pH by that much, you lose a lot of a lot of high, high, a lot of oxygen or a lot of, um, water, you just evaporate, it just evaporates, right? So it was like a three and a half hour water or something stupid like that. I mean, it was, it was just, and then at the time we were just, we weren't kettle souring yet. Eric was really hesitant about using bugs in the, in the kettle. So that was, um, that's what we did. So when we brewed it again, I bagged Eric, I'm like, look, I know we can do a kettle sour safely. and And we did, we started kettle souring it. But even back then it took two days. Yeah. <laughs> now you know you kettle sour in like 12 hours, but it was it was usually we'd brew ghost flour on a Friday and then come in <laughs> on Monday and it's ready to rip. Yeah. So yeah, that uh, that,
0: that was the that was the original uh, badger hill f5 too was, was you brew it on a Friday and you come in on Monday and finish.
3: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I still I love the style. Um it's hard to find um the stuff from Leipzig locally anymore at all I haven't had much i I used to find it more easily than than now, so the stuff I have found is just old and so but we still brew it at 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 um, a different recipe, but we brew it goes I usually every summer at bad weather, although we didn't do it this year unfortunately so um, but yeah i love I love the style it's it's refreshing it had that salinity is just enough to make you want to come back for another sip and the coriander adds just a nice um lemony kind of spicy note on the nose so i still have a bottle of ghost lard nice. opened in my fridge <laughs> i can't get myself to open it I, it's just sitting there
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like it I, I like the the collection of of lucid bottles behind you as well on your bar uh
3: yeah we all bombers to start before we started bottling we filled everything by hand so two blakeman beer guns in the in the in the uh, office we called it and we'd fill like a pallet of dino in like a day ship it off it's like all right do that again next week so that was
0: and then you moved to the machine, which you might have well have gone back to bottling by hand
3: yeah, the machine was. <laughs> I didn't use them at the. At that, by the time we got the machine, I wasn't doing a lot of packaging. I was in the cellar, running the filter, and then doing some some brewing. Michael was doing most of the brewing.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I was doing a lot of cellaring and then some brewing. Dennis, of course, too. So. Yep. But yeah, John and, and Kale and and EJ, they they hated that line. Was well, first it was Paul when we first started. Paul was working for us, and I think the first canning run we had like. Oh my god it was like 30 or 40 cases of low fills i mean it was just this like i didn't know anything about it it was like yeah this is not going well <laughs> <You
4: know?
3: laughs> um but yeah that damn thing you know i'd be running like a top and then it would spit your glass off behind it someone you it would drop wrong and bottles would go flying and fill tube would fall off during your run like it's, it's this inner, internal piece mm-hmm. and you get like 60 cases through it before someone notices this piece fell out of the tube. And then you have to go back and check every bottle to find this piece. That happened several times.
0: I, I, Eric was just in at the brewery uh, about a week ago and he told a story about uh, a fill tube making it all the way out to an account.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh no. I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah. My. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So thankfully, we don't use that thing at bad weather. <laughs> I mean.
2: So yeah. Well, so JT showed up. Hi JT, how are hey.
5: you? Hey.
6: Good. How are you guys? Thanks. You got me? Welcome to the show. Hey, I I'm 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 sorry about that. Uh, yeah, here I am. So
2: <laughs> So, um I did want to ask you to tell us um a little bit more because we're going to get into some beers from from bad weather now so can you tell us more about the current brewery um kind of the the i mean do you have a style that you plant your flag in the ground with you know that kind of stuff
5: yeah i mean i've we i've always been um
3: into lager beer i mean we didn't brew any lagers to start Uh, i think i think we brewed our first lager like seven eight months after we opened um, I would say probably the Hellas is the, like, that's tops for me. I love that style. You know, it's nice malt character. Um, not quite as, as bitter as say like a Pills, not as, um, robust as like a Dortmunder. It's just a nice, it's just my favorite. It's probably my favorite style to drink. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we've just kind of, I've there's something about lager beer that i just i'm attracted towards it in terms of wanting to make more styles and usually what i seek out at the liquor store um they're just i don't know they're more a little more subtle um which i kind of like more easy drinkable drinkability was a big thing i learned from uh uh sig when we brewed one of our heritage lager series he was the one of the former brewmasters at schmidt and he just constantly talked about drinkability and then i just think that's lager beer i mean you just want you drink one and go back for another i mean that's
0: yeah. so that's andy it. i i'm familiar with the, the heritage series but these other two aren't can you talk a little bit because it's it's an amazing thing like it's it it's awesome you get to do this and that you continue to do this can you talk about what that heritage lager series is
3: yeah so i had an idea oh a year and a half ago now so just the way the industry has been lately, it's everything's so fast. I mean, it's like, and the consumer is just like, give me this thing and then give me the next thing. And it's just like this constant in and out. And it's like, well, it's just like pump the brakes a little bit here. Like, let's not forget about how we got here. And I also think about um, going to uh, MBAA meetings and there's usually a table with all of the old retired brewers and nobody talks to them, they're just, they're just talking to themselves, and I was like, man, I want to change that for myself, and then I think, we as an industry, we need to change that, because that's just knowledge sitting there, just, right. you could just absorb that, you can't keep that from a book, you know, and, and I wanted those, to just kind of emphasize, love like,
0: love talking not... about it,
3: yes, they, they do, they absolutely, I mean, yeah. yeah, so I always, I mean, I've been going to MBAA meetings for years, and I was honestly, like, kind of scared to go sit down with them, and it's like, but, they just want to talk about, you know, whatever, beer or just life, and so that was kind of part of the idea was to reconnect with some of the brewers of past, but also like styles, you know, and methods and how to make beer like they used to, and so we don't forget about that kind of stuff, you know, so that was kind of the idea with the Heritage Series, so brought it, you know, mentioned it to the owners, and they said, yeah, let's do it, so, um, a couple of them have just kind of, they've turned into collaborations at the same time. So the first one, I reached out to um, Sig and and Phil. Um, Phil Gagné and, and Sig Plagans were brewmasters at Schmidt and talked about this series. And would you even be interested in doing a collaboration? And they were like, absolutely. Well, Phil, I'm, I reached out to Phil first and he said, I'll do it on the condition that sig wants to do it so he reached out to sig and then we met at the brewery and and sig just like he had old brewing notes with him from the 80s and 90s it was so cool so we just started talking about a style and and that was the first heritage series of it's kind of like a similar to what schmidt would have been you know similar ingredients so it was our first time using corn syrup in a beer i've never used corn syrup so Mm
4: -hmm.
3: we started researching where to get it, you know, Sig had his old contact from when he used to buy it, you know, and it was in Shakopee, they closed of course, but but we found some corn syrup and made a recipe similar to how they would have made Schmidt lager at the Schmidt Brewery. So they came out for the brew day and and then um, they wanted to come when we filtered it because Phil Phil used to run the filter at, at Schmidt. So he was really excited to see the filter. So um, so yeah, that was the first one, a, a collab with Schmidt. The um, second one was a, uh, Kind of like a um, World War II era lager. You know, brewers at the time were using all sorts of different types of fermentables because barley was being, you know, used for food for the soldiers and whatnot. So we brewed a beer with cassava. We found some cassava and and learned how to mash that. And it was just another light lager that that I think they would have made similarly, just based on some articles from some MBAA um, articles I found online so um, that was just it was like a cassava lager you couldn't really taste it but it was just a fun experiment on the brew house to see how this would work so um, the third was another collab with the old James Page brewers they're they're known to be the first brewery that I'm aware of to ever use um, uh, wild rice in a beer so we brewed a wild rice lager similar to what the James Page lager would have been so we met up with some of the old employees there and they were just super excited and yeah so it's been a fun series working on the, the fourth ones in the tank right now With is just a, a pre-pro lager so we've never brewed a pre-prohibition style so that's lagering away right now and number five will be this fall so that's in the works so 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 that's, what what
0: are what are the breweries that that these these old timers uh have come from that you've been working with on on things like this
3: you so Smith. schmidt was the first one. Uh, and then the third was was some James Page brewers from when they were still brewing in Northeast
4: mm-hmm.
3: Minneapolis. I think they brewed there until late two thousands, and then it moved to Wisconsin. I think is it Point bought the name. I'm trying to remember. Who yeah, it. yeah, that was, um, that was that was Point. Yeah. Um, so this these were some of the old um, brewers at the um, Northeast location. So
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, and so yeah, those were those are the only two. Um, breweries I've worked with, some of the older um, brewers that aren't are not brewing anymore. So, okay, Tim, over under
2: on the age of the people that don't know what Schmitz was.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we we both know, Aaron. Um, I, I know, yeah, right? But we're also we're also Iowa boys. We also, you know, just in general. Um,
6: Well, JT, how old are
2: you? Forty. You're forty. He's a man. he's forty.
6: I'm a man.
0: (laughs) I'm (laughs) forty. All right, Gundy. Uh, well, (laughs) because I I was, I was gonna set it at like 38.
6: Yeah. I wish. Uh, I'd I'd say 35. No, no, not your age.
2: I mean, are you familiar with Schmidt beer, JT? I am not. Sorry. Schmidt, yeah.
6: I do not know that. No, sorry. You don't know Schmidt.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: you got some Schmidt on your face.
4: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was like, oh, Schmidt, I haven't heard of that or talked about or heard of that for a long time. So yeah. I don't know. That, when did that like, go away
3: even? Well, they... they um... It was like mid-2000s. Was
2: um, it that
3: long? Yes, and they, they were making, oh, wow, man, what's the other brewery? Uh, they made Pig's Eye there. Um, they temporarily closed and they were making, they were making something else the, like ethanol or something like that for a little mm-hmm. while. And then they went back, they opened up again It's like Minnesota Brewing Company, I think, or a new name, it didn't last very long. So Phil was the last brewmaster. When it
0: closed, I mean, it's it it's funny because you look at, at at Aaron. I I sent you a can of Hams uh, in in your yeah. care package there, and it talks about the land, of sky, blue waters, and it talks about. Then you look on the side and it talks about Milwaukee Brewing, right? Like that's not <laughs> that's not what Hams is, uh, yeah. uh, But like a lot of those legacy brands got bought up by you know paps for a while then paps got bought out by a russian company and then all these other things and so you had all these legacy brands that existed as brands and then you had the schmidt brew house which is now like you could still see like the schmidt sign in in, in saint paul and things like that so they're still i mean it's kind of like you can still see the Greenbelt sign in northeast but that's the that Greenbelt belt isn't produced there like like minnesota has this legacy brand recognition around the city even though those brands don't exist and they certainly or if they do they don't exist in the form that they were before um and so it's certainly not even the schmidt that you were getting in 2000 wasn't like the schmidt you were getting in 1995 by
3: any means yeah in the schmidt the old schmidt brewery is a beautiful building i mean it it was preserved unlike the hams brewery which was just left to fall apart, which is a damn shame because if you if you find photos of the old Hamsbury, it's a beautiful brick building that just fell into disrepair and you know think you know St Paul Brewing Company has a cool spot there and and they' they've been able to revive some of the um, parts of the building but the the Schmidt brewery is is beautiful, especially at night you can see it, the Schmidt light is on and it's a beautiful building so
0: yeah, we we definitely have a, a a legacy of kind of classic American light lagers in this state in particular, and so it's kind of fun to see someone like you, especially right there in St. Paul. I mean, you're just down the road from the Schmidt Brewery. Like it's it's kind of fun to see someone like you kind of uh, uh, give an homage to to those those things that that are the forebearers of of Minnesota beer for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, that, and it, see, it was, to see the excitement um, was, that was kind of part of that, especially like the James Page guys hadn't seen each other in years.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So I think some of them just kind of talk occasionally, but some of them have not seen each other in a long time. So that was kind of cool to see them reconnect on some level. Um, and then just to, and yeah, this, the, the collaboration of just come coming up with the recipe and you see the excitement, and you can hear it in their voices as they kind of going back to those days of, of brewing and making beers. And they had some crazy stories, you know. It's like stuff they used to. How different it was back then, you know, compared to what it's like now.
0: well yeah, I mean, you you were talking earlier about having like a a, a three hour runoff, but like you've already pushed the limit on every single type of mash schedule and and louder schedule I can think of. Um, Cause you're a little bit of a masochist with, with that, yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, but I am, I'm, I'm sure even with you kind of pushing uh, and learning a little bit about all of that, that you still learned a lot from just that whole, that whole process and are continuing to, as you, as you continue the series.
3: Yeah. It's been fun to just experiment with different takes on the brew house and a lot, a lot of them we split up, you know, someone will start it and some will finish the, any the, anytime we're like cooking something, a cereal mash or the cassava brew day, was pretty, Tony brewed that one, one of our old brewers. And I think he, did he do it? He might've brewed the whole batch. He wanted to, I was like, are you sure? Um, but yeah, some of them are long, you know, double, triple decoctions, the half of bites. And that was this crazy reverse um, mash rest that we do. And so usually we split those brew days up over a couple brewers one will start and one will finish but um i you know i like to uh with a lot of people work the malt on the brew house i think there's something to be said about that it gives you more layered malt flavor i think in the in the finished product so mm-hmm. um uh chris at notch brewing has written some really cool stuff on this is why we decoct like everything we make. And this is why. And he, he said, he says it really well about kind of layering the malt flavor malt character in your beer, which yeah. I, for, I agree 100%, but it, yes, it is. They are longer days.
4: <laughs>
3: so. Speaking of finished products,
2: I think we need to start drinking. I agree. Um, so we got a <laughs> few beers are are we planning on doing all of them? Some of them? What what's the plan here? Let's Tim? just do
0: all three, man. I I uh, it, okay. Andy was nice enough to share this. I, I feel like we should talk about all three. They're all very different. Uh, yeah. They're they're all uh, amazing beers, but they're all very different. So I think we should kind of jump in and and let you guys kind of experience. Okay. Uh, so cheese.
2: which what's the first one? What are we going to do first?
0: I we're I think we're going to start off simple. And we're going to do pills.
2: That sounds right. good. That's a good yeah. We're going to start with the pills right after this commercial break from our sponsors at Revelton Distilling
1: Company. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the tailors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Wanna see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45 minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind the scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer.
2: And we're back. Thanks for listening to that message from Revelton Distilling Company, Osceola, Iowa. We have bad weather brewing company. Pills, 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 pills. Uh, Andy, tell us a little bit about this beer.
3: So we always had, you know, um, one or two, three, four lagers on at the tap room. Um, never had one out in distribution. So, um, our distributor approached us about um, they had one of their mainstay um, breweries stopped making their pills and then they kind of lost a, a, a regular pills option. So they reached out to us like, you guys want to brew pills for us for us, we're like, hell yeah. So um, we came up with this recipe. Um, it's kind of a, I like to call it a hybrid of sorts um kind of a mix of German and American influences. So we use, North Star pills from RAR. So it's a little different than their um, premium pills, not as much cracker notes, kind of more of a bready, hay, they say sweet attributes. So it does have um, a little more of a sweetness to it than, say, like a German style pills. So um, it's all tetanang hops. So first wort and then a bittering hop flavor and then a pretty hefty whirlpool charge. Um, brewed with our our house lager it's just a German lager strain Um, and so yeah it came out initially as draft only so we were sending it out to bars and restaurants and then we introduced it into six packs I think about uh, I think about six months after we were sending it out on draft so it is a year-round pills from us so um, yeah it's got some kind of floral notes to it you can kind of smell it I get a lot of bread notes on the nose um and then um a pretty nice mouthfeel good malt character um pretty crisp but still has you can get kind of that sweetness from the malt so i think don't don't give away too much because we're going to go through all (laughs) this and see how wrong jt
2: is (laughs) so you got you got the cliff notes version jt try not to screw it up too bad
6: I I still haven't got this beer yet. It hasn't come from UPS yet. So oh, no. oh
2: well. In that case, then I'll get to screw it up.
6: All right, yeah.
2: there you go. All right, <laughs> I'm ready. All right, let's see.
5: I'm impressed is... by
0: the, the the sturdy head. The head stability is really great on this.
3: So we do uh, use, yeah yeah. We use a little um um a little hop extract um, when we when we filter to aid in the the head retention. Nice So uh, it's a
2: lovely golden color. Um, super clear. I mean it's it's see-through is all get out. Um, so from that standpoint, it looks really, really nice. And let's see. I'll just kind That'd of try nice. to move along here.
5: So I do. It's sort of a
2: grassy aroma out of it. Um, It's been a while since we've done this. I'm not very confident in my skills. No,
0: no. I was going to say grassy was the very first thing I thought. Um, You know, Aaron, you've talked a lot about uh, throwing hay, and I get a lot of of those similar notes there, right? Yeah, I was thinking straw hay, that grassy. Almost like the greener hay though you know what i mean like not that that yeah full finished yeah
2: yeah so obviously for me as a kid that grew up bailing hay and actually enjoyed that kind of work it's a nice pleasant aroma um because i'm a lunatic apparently because i liked bailing hay but uh yeah so that's a pleasing
5: aroma it's uh
2: slightly bitter I wouldn't say really bitter um less bitter than other pilsners that I've had um like say from Chuckanut who I drink quite a bit up here um
5: uh do get a little bit of that
2: grassiness that I don't know exactly what to call it kind of in the back of my throat after it goes down um Nice carbonation, good good mouthfeel on that that aspect of it. Um kind of tingles less so on the tongue and more along the sides. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh it's really tasty. It's good beer.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean I, I, you get that brightness in the cheeks and that and that tetaning hop mm-hmm. really kind of helps balance out. Oh it's almost a it's almost a honey sweetness that you get out of this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um it, it, 'cause it's got it's not like a stickiness, but it's certainly got a full mouth feel without feeling like filling, but there's definitely some real body there that kind of lends to that almost kind of honey sugar cane type of sweetness, but it's not like cloyingly sweet in any way shape or form like it it's balanced up very well by the by by the hop character, yeah um, yeah, uh yeah, like you said, Bready and grassy um.
3: Uh yeah, we've been we've been trying to like the I've always been wishing it had a little more bitterness to it. And I think I'm just fighting the malt that I'm using.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So we've been making some minor tweaks. I don't remember
5: if this batch has
3: it might. We started screwing around with the salts. Um I've usually just only ever added them into the mash. We've been adding them in the kettle. Yep. putting them up. Um and um that's helped a little bit so um but yeah i've always wanted a little more bitterness out of it but i don't want to change the malt because i really like this malt from from rar so we've been making
2: some
5: other
3: tweaks to bring that out
2: yeah as a guy that that doesn't like super bitter stuff i'm like not a west coast ipa guy or any of that um i think it's pretty perfect um on that aspect, because there is some bitterness to it, but it's not you know, drag my tongue across the pine cone or anything like that kind of bitter. Um, so I appreciate it for what it is right now. so as far as I'm concerned, don't change it. Thank you very much. Not that not that my vote has anything <laughs> to do with what you're going to ultimately do.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I, I I've been wondering like cause, like we we had calcium chloride uh, in the boil rather than than in the mash on our pilsner, and I've and I've really, I guess for me, I've debated in my head how much is that really making a difference. But the fact that you're saying that, like, um, I think getting a little bit more of that <sighs> Christmas crisp. Miss crispness, Chris Christmas. Jesus Christ, Um, Christmas Christmas in July. (laughs) Lloyd Christmas. Um, crispiness.
6: Yeah, Yeah, Swanson slippy sloppy Swanson. Yeah, Samsonite. Samsonite.
0: I was way off. Um, (laughs) no, I I don't even know that's the right word that I'm now stumbling over. uh but there's got a little bit more of a a a bite that comes out of there, right? That kind of helps uh anchor so you you're not just tasting malt like one of the things that i've loved about pilsner in particular as a style is that it shows people that you can show off a hoppy beer in a way that people are when people say hey give me a hoppy beer they don't think pilsner yeah. but in reality the style is a great one to show off like noble hops right. or more kind yes. of those types of things and i think what you've done here does a really good job of showing off that Yes, hop is really a a key characteristic to something like this, but it's balanced well by the sweetness. And that North Star Pills uh, has a rustic type of note to it. Does that make sense, right? Like it almost has yeah. like a, that that makes it just have a little bit of earthiness, which is really nice.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of tailored towards that too. Like it's kind oh. of... It's quasi under modified in a, in a sense. Like they say, it it's you could easily it would work well in decoctions, which we do a single decoction with this beer. So um so yeah, I've we've been using it in this from day one. So I'm I really like the malt. It's a nice, nice malt from Rar. So I saw
0: I saw JT's face. Which when you said decoction, so explain decoction.
3: Yeah, I was going to ask, because I
0: don't think that's a term we've
2: covered in this podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. we, we,
0: I, I think we have, but, but yeah. Anyway, go. Andy's Andy's the one who does it better than anyone I know. So,
3: so we. we um I wanted to have. We were, this goes back to designing the brew house. Uh, talking with our manufacturer, I said, "Look, I want to be able to pull mash from the mash lauter into the kettle. Can we add a pipe circuit to do that?" And um they said, "Yeah," and. and it's worked surprisingly well for what it is. Like I, I'm running a one and a half inch pipe from the mash to the kettle, which in thinking back, I should have ran a two inch or maybe three inch, but we rarely stick that. Pulling that out of the mash works pretty well. Um, we're stirring the mash by hand. So, I mean, going back on decoction, yeah, I an older method of um, using malts that were not very well modified to, Pull a section of the mash out, usually some, a thicker portion of the mash. Boil or simmer it at a, about 200 degrees. We do about 200 degrees for about 20 minutes. Creates um, some Maillard reactions in the malt, so you can g- gain a little more color and you can g- gain a little more malt, malt flavor. So you you know you pump it out, heat the mash, pump it back, and then your temperature will go up. So if you're doing like a step mash with decoctions, you can change your temperature rests. So if you wanna hit, do mash in at say like an acid rest and then pump back up to a alpha amylase and then pull out and then do a beta amylase and pull another one for a, a mash out. So depending on the temperature and, and what you're shooting for, you pull it, you know X amount of barrels of mash to achieve the next temperature when you pump it back, so. Um, and i I've always thought it was a it was a way German brewers would make would do mashing before thermometers were invented. but I've heard that's not true i, I do you know more about that Tim because I've heard like no, thermo-
0: no no i basically what i what i've I don't know if it's before thermometers. I just always heard that it was a way to do step mashing before there was a way to clearly do step mashing basically yeah. to go through your different rests. So I don't. I, basically, the same thing that you've heard. I don't. I don't know any more about that other than that. Um, it's something that I like. But
3: there's, <laughs> there's something to it. I mean, I, I've taken photos of um, like our last last time we were the Dun- our Munich dunkel. I took a photo of each mash being pumped into the kettle from the next rest from the from the last decoction, and there's a distinct change in color. Yeah, and that's. No, that one's a triple decoction, I think. So you, you see what's going on and you see when you taste it what why why you do it. But right. we have to const- we stir it. You know, we don't have a modern, well, not necessarily modern, but we didn't set up our kettle to have like a mixing chain to to stir the mash. We're just I have this giant wood paddle my dad made <laughs> that we you would just stir for 20 minutes and then it gets pumped back. So um, which we need to replace. It's starting to show its age, it's falling apart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that that's one thing that I, that I've always thought, because like, not only do you need to be able to have the brew house designed to pump back, and like, man, I hated that old brew house at Badger Hill, trying to just go from the mash to the louder through an inch and a half, and how many times that thing got fucking plowed. Yeah, like like it was it was that was a no- well, then also when Michael would drop screen filters into the thing and clog up the pump but that was a whole other thing uh- <laughs> oh, michael <laughs> um uh but uh uh not just to be able to pump your mash back and forth but then to also be able to get it stirred and make sure that you're it's getting well uh modified and 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 uh homogenized before you pump that back because you know you might have a, a wildly variant temperature gradient before you put that back in which would defeat the point if you're not getting it well mixed so uh you doing that with just a giant paddle seems like a huge um pain in the ass and i think you hate yourself to some degree
3: well i i do yeah, <laughs> and i i the brewers probably hate me too so um, <laughs> you, you have to you have to mix it while you're pumping back because you have to keep it homogenized right so it's yeah. a, probably a half an hour um the, the 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 ones that are the worst is when we do like uh like the the american double mash like a cereal mash with with corn grits. Mm-hmm. That's brutal cuz when you initially mash in your corn with some 6 roll at like 160 degrees I think it's like paste. Yeah. And you slowly heat yeah. it up and it starts to soften up. That's the worst. That one is the that one sucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I so when I originally proposed that we take tonka light and turn it from uh, a a double turn brew to a high gravity single turn, and I didn't even think about oh well. Doubling the the corn on this is going to just turn this into just cement. <laughs> and- and so it was my idea. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I had a six hour runoff. Let's not do this. Let's figure out something else to do, whether that's corn syrup or up, <laughs> up the dextrose in the boil or something else. Because, like, I don't like you don't think about how quickly that stuff just gelatinizes and just turns into just pudding. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, so- I personally thought Duke Coxon was a song by Ramstein. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you for contributing something to this podcast. That's a good poll by me, wasn't
6: it? <laughs> uh, Let's. That let's... sucks so much. I thought it came from me. Uh,
0: that, no, that's. Ooh, that's. Boy, that's a burn on both of you guys. That was really <laughs> wow.
2: self-deprecating and cutting
0: yes Uh, let's uh let's let's move on we got two other beers to get to uh i want to move on to uh the bramble next
6: all right well i gotta go
2: get it so stretch
6: bramble on that that's bramble on that that's that's a good zeppelin song
0: uh thank you jt for being present to to this (laughs) podcast (laughs) Uh- <laughs> Honestly, I,
6: I'm looking forward. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to trying the Pilsner because I have definitely been on Pilsner kick. I've actually texted or messaged you about this. That yeah. Absolutely. I like Pilsners I, because it's, I like IPAs, but IPAs sometimes like today I've had one too many and they make you tired. Whereas like a Pilsner, you've got, am I wrong in saying that a Pilsner is a marriage between a logger and an IPA?
0: Um, yes. I, I I mean, well, yeah, no, I th- I think the easy answer is that you're always wrong. But no, I think I think kind of what I alluded to earlier is that Pilsner is a lager style that showcases hops a little bit more than you are typically used to. Andy, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: I, I re- heard something. Um, it was from Ashley Carter at Bierstadt about oh. the way that they like to brew pills is. She the flavor of boiled hops. I think you put a pretty big ch- bittering charge, but you know a lot of the noble you're using a low alpha hop, so I think that creates a different flavor, maybe a little soft, different bitterness than say like an IPA um, or a double IPA for that matter. But so that yeah, they're they're hoppy, but it's it's a pleasant you know way to to enjoy hops. It's not smacking your face bitterness it's a little more restrained I guess would be I heard her say that I'm like that's a really good point like you, you want to taste taste the hops a little more versus just straight up bitterness
0: well and if there's if there's anyone who's going to be able to talk about uh Pilsner I think Bierstadt is probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> probably the, the person the the people you want to listen to but yeah no I like That's been one of my biggest like I've always said that uh, hoppy is a shitty adjective for a beer. Right. Uh, Because there are people that say that they don't like this used to happen all the time at Badger Hill. I don't like hoppy beer. And then they do a flight and then they'd order a trader. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because in their mind, hoppy just meant, And this is partially uh, our fault as brewers is that there was this arms race on like You know, three thousand IBUs type of thing that people thought hoppy meant bitter and dank and you know that word
3: too, like bitter. That word, like we we brewed uh, a ordinary bitter. Yeah, I I was a stubborn stubborn stupid ass brewer. I said I want to call it ordinary bitter, and didn't sell. Like people like I don't like bitter beer. I'll have an IPA. You
0: know that word? I don't know what the MSB you're talking about,
3: Andy. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, and we tried, like, I tried to like, just this, this would be a good learning experience for the consumer. Like, well, what does that really mean? And it didn't work. So we changed it to pub ale and it sold twice as fast. Oh, that, that's so.
0: what I That's whenever people talked about MSB, when we had, I loved when we would put MSB on nitro and then I oh. could really call, and then I could really call it a pub ale and like, yeah. and you know, Maybe we'll think about it like it was a Boddington's or something like that, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm not gonna drink that time. oh, that's my favorite beer. And then and then I had to go and be a, a big jackass and make a coffee version of that, which, you know, a better drink like coffee and add that into uh uh an ESB and let people really get confused on what bitter means and realize that the ESB was actually sweetening up the, the bitterness of the coffee. Uh but yeah, no, JT to your point, I think Uh, You're right to the extent that pilsners are are more hoppy than your typical kind of standard American light lager. Um, uh, But again, they showcase particularly like noble hops where you get more kind of fruity floral, uh, maybe herbal type of things, not necessarily like the tropical or dank or pony that you get a lot of the other ones. So. Um I short answer is you're wrong, but uh the other answer is yeah, you're also kind of right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right,
4: All let's, right so yeah, let's let's move Golden on to Golden
2: Bramble.
5: Yeah. Golden Bramble. Uh Andy, uh, uh before you even talk about this beard, you wanna tell me about the name? Um uh, yeah.
3: So, I didn't have a lot to do with naming this one. I'm not good with uh, coming up with names. I'm terrible at it. But it's my understanding that um, I don't even remember what Bramble has a meaning. So it has some. I'm sorry. It has something to do with that. uh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Um, Like bushes. I I don't know. I, I think you're yeah.
0: Aaron, are you worth anything here?
3: Oh yeah, so it's, uh, it's like a prickly, so a prickly thing. So that's yeah. like a pineapple. That that was the um, that's how we came up with it. Like I said, I'm not, I'm really bad with coming up with names. I is, is Zach it... and Joe are the um, really smart ones when it comes to naming here. So oh well, then um, you
0: guys are definitely screwed. Um,
3: yeah, I have, I am. <laughs> I'll mull one over for, for days and I can't come up with anything. And Joe, Joe is really good with, Joe does most of our naming, I think. He, Logan has some really good input on on some tweaks. And Joe is usually the first one to come up with several ideas. Um,
0: well, then I am amazed that they are not all named after Super Mario.
3: Well, you, yeah, you're true. You're right there. Yep. There have not been any video game references yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, uh, yeah, no. Let's let's go ahead and get into Golden Bramble. tell us uh, kind of what the the impetus behind this beer was.
3: Um, so we were looking to fill like another summer summery type seasonal beer. Um, Zach had recently taken a vacation. I think he was in like Arizona, somewhere south. He came back. He's like, you guys, I had a pineapple wheat from I don't know what brewery it was. He's like we need to make this it was amazing so that was that was the plant that was the seed and we we. it's pretty basic it's just it it's a like an american wheat style it's just some two row and then uh wheat malt um whole melon hops and then a whole lot of pineapple puree so um pretty nice crisp kind of refreshing summery type beer so um
0: where, where the fuck do you get off making a fruited American wheat? I didn't know
3: you could do that anymore. I mean, you put fruit in everything these days, right? That's, well,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's true. But American wheat feels like that's been a, that's been a no-no for a while.
3: I don't care. It's it's like, it was a, it was a base style that I thought would fit well with, I thought the wheat malt would play well with, with the pineapple. And um, I think it, it works well. So
0: yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and kick us off?
3: Okay. Um, This
2: did not foam uh, and and provide as much head as the Pilsner did. Um, I sort of figured it wouldn't, um, but it definitely didn't. It has settled into a nice layer on top. Um, It is turbid. um, Does have some floaties in it. Which is not to be unexpected in this kind of beer. Um, Golden in color, I think it's actually. I think it might be a lighter gold even than the pills. I think the pills is a a shade or two darker. Mm -hmm. Um, It 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 fools you in that because it is uh, turbid and not clear that it it maybe kind of you think it's maybe darker than it is. But it's it's actually I think a lighter in color, a lighter gold color than the uh, pills was.
3: Yeah, so we noticed that the day we were canning. When we got finished canning, I poured a, I poured a can, and I noticed some some floaties right away. I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Because usually it doesn't have any. Like, I think we may have pulled a little too much during racking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with unfiltered beers, especially fruited beers we generally be watching that glass like a hawk, you know, as soon as it turns the consistency, like, cause it's usually somewhat clear in the tank. Once we kind of immediately hit that sludge, we tend to stop. So we might've hit, I feel like we might've hit some, some slugs at the bottom there on accident. So it's definitely not intended, but yes, it does. It can't, it does happen from time, but. Um,
0: I would say it's, it's not offensive though, Andy. I would no, actually say no, that. No,
2: actually, it's yeah. not, it's not big chunks or it. it's just, just a little. It's
0: yeah, not, I mean, not a lot. I mean, a for A for a wheat beer and B for a beer yeah. that I know has a shit ton of fruit puree in there. It's yeah, it's actually I don't like I like I hesitate to say it's welcome, but it's not it's not um it's not disturbing in any way, shape, or form. Like I'm not bothered by it by Yeah.
2: It's second. not it's not so so much of it or or even big enough chunks of it to have settled to the bottom on me or anything like that. It's you know, it's pretty minor. It's kind of um, like,
0: it's kind of like, have you just done a can conditioned beer, and there was a little bit of trouble. yeah,
2: yeah. And that's that's the first thing I thought of when after I poured it, and I noticed that when I was looking at it. So I started reading the can, thinking, okay, is this you know bottle conditioned, can conditioned beer? Didn't say that on the beer, but doesn't mean it wouldn't have been. So that was going to be one of my questions, Tim. You beat me to it.
3: Yeah, it is. It is not. Yeah. So like we we ferment out all our fruit beers are we ferment out the fruit before we rack over to the bright tank so we try to capture a fair amount of the natural carb the fruit you know at is kind of a restart on the fermentation we usually add it towards the end of fermentation and then uh, bung the tank to try to capture as much natural carbonation as we can with our fruited beers so um but no it is not canned condition It's.
0: i i do appreciate though i can't like naturally carbonated beers tend to have like a softer bubble right? And so I can tell there's there's a more softness to this carbonation, right? There's not that Mm -hmm. carbonic bite that like, say the pills had, like there's a more kind of delicateness to that. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. no, I I don't have anything else to add. I do get a really nice lacing though, like you get like with the wheat. So even though it doesn't have that sturdy, robust head, like Aaron was saying, there's still a really nice lacing. So there's still a good protein content here. I think that the acidity of the pineapple probably kind of fights head retention to to an extent yeah Uh, but it's not again it's not like it's nothing it's settled into a nice kind of clean ring around around all of that um the, the aroma like i don't even have to hold this up to my nose like the second you crack that that thing open start pouring it it it's it's pineapple
4: yeah
2: Oh, yeah. Maybe my nose isn't working as well. Maybe I'm JT today because I, I don't, <laughs> I get it. I smell it like when I get up to it, and I smell it, um, but I would have described it as a, it's pineapple, but it's a, a almost subtle to mild pineapple aroma. I don't get a big citrusy pineapple bomb out of it. So maybe my nose is slightly we, broken today i sure. We
0: need we need to get your brother in Hawaii yeah. to, to help us really understand. Uh A just cuz he'll tell you that you're wrong. Uh even if, he even, will. if even, even if even if I'm right. I can say even if you're right he's going to tell <laughs> you that you're wrong. Yeah. And also because he wants to agree with me to make you extra mad. <laughs> but no I I do definitely get in in um uh The the pineapple is so pineapples. I've played around with it in the past. It's hard to get pineapple puree that does not taste. Not fresh, like, but this tastes fresh. So I'm impressed that you are able to do that, especially like for not only. Does it taste fresh for puree that you can get in landlocked Minnesota? Northern, you know, right. Uh, but also uh, because when you add things into primary fermentation, they always seem to kind of pull a little bit of that fresh flavor out. So I'm impressed by the amount of fresh pineapple you got out of this.
3: Yeah, we went through a new supplier this year on the pineapple. Honestly, I think it was um, availability and shipping costs. You know, Historically, I bought a lot of our puree from – Oregon fruit.
0: Yep, same.
3: But the the freight is just insane. So yep. I've been finding purees closer to home. Um some have worked out, some have not. So but I really liked the pineapple um that we got this year for this beer. So um
5: yeah.
3: But, okay. yeah so, yep.
5: so Aaron taste, mouthfeel, finish. Um taste is definitely
2: that and pineapple um yeah yeah kind of taste um it is a thicker mouthfeel um it starts out sort of sweet and then the at like an acid comes in and kind of cleans it up on the back half and uh i feel like this feels like there's more carbonation than the pills had because like my it and I think that's because it reacts more on my tongue than the, the pills did.
0: It's that, the, the acid that's really kind of. Yeah. yeah
2: which is yeah. that acid, especially the front, you know, say half, yeah. give or take of my tongue. Um, feels like it's being cleaned off, which I know is, is some acid, you know, um, sweetness and acid com- combo situation there. Um, but again, not, not like, holy cow, that's pineapple. It's, it's, it's pineapple it's nice it's it's not overpowering it's um you know some people want to go overboard on that kind of stuff and this is like still beer but with some pineapple
0: yeah i like I, I, that's the thing i was going to say is this still tastes like an american wheat right like i'm all about flavored beer i'm team coffee beer i'm i'm all about fruit you know i've done blood orange i've done peach i've done whatever slushy sours (laughs) don't you put
2: that evil on me
6: ricky bobby Uh,
0: (laughs) boy my daughter needs to go to college so i'm not gonna really talk otherwise
6: um (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) no i but the thing that that i do like about because i you know uh i've had this a couple of times and uh when it was balls ass hot the other day when it was like 100 degrees for no reason whatsoever um i i had one of these and i was like oh god damn this is
4: really good
0: because it still has that very like i don't want to drink pineapple juice on a hot day because that's too sweet. That's too much. That's too aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is still like drinking it's like a lawnmower beer in a lot of ways. Like like a, like a honey vice would be, right? Like I love a honey vice, but it just has it's I've always said that honey vice is the perfect pizza beer. I thought that for 30 years. Aaron, when you and I were at Iowa State and we would get that three for $9 Domino's pizza deal, I don't, you don't remember that? Three mediums? No, I nine? mean,
2: I remember it, but I was a home team pizza guy.
0: Oh, well. Oh, home was, team pizza was a shit. Oh, no, it, no, take out the in your, it, in your, it restaurant. was shit, but it was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you could, you could do three mediums for nine bucks at num no, Anyway, uh, Line, uh, Liney's Honey Vice was my go-to pizza beer, and th- and I happen to be a guy who thinks pineapples belong on pizza. Uh, and I think this would go perfect with the. Whole I quit the
6: pizza. podcast right here and now. Uh, well, oh, hey
2: JT, I had pineapple on pizza tonight.
3: I'm on, team, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on team pineapple. I would, I, I would, I love pineapple on pizza. Yeah. But no, like I, I, Jesus, I don't care god goddamn
6: Christ.
2: I don't care either way. That's the pizza that was in the freezer that my wife bought, and since I was doing a pod tonight, I wasn't cooking, so it was pizza night.
3: (laughs) You make a good point though, because I think it's one thing that I've I've always emphasized with with all of our beers that are infused with whatever. That I always want the base style to shine through somewhat. I don't want that to be hidden because, like, what's the point? You know, I did all this work. To make this style of beer, I want everything to be a good mix t- together, not just like straight fruit, nothing else. Just I want the, everything else in the recipe to come through in some form. So I, I think that goes back to
2: your what you said earlier when you're talking to the guys from Schmidt, or I think it was Schmidt you said, the drinkability.
4: Yeah.
2: Right. If you go too far on the pineapple, it becomes really sweet. And really pine, and you're gonna drink one of those motherfuckers, and that's it. Yeah. Well, and this, also you could drink two or three or four. It's a five three beer, right? So it's not super heavy on the alcohol or anything. Um, you could sit and drink two or three or four of these and not get overwhelmed by the pineapple.
0: Well, yeah. and also I want beer. I'm not at a TJ Fridays, I want beer. And I think that's what this does. It's, it's a good balance. It's, uh, it, Andy, I'm not going to lie. It was interesting to me that you included this uh, in the lineup because this is not typical of you and yeah. the brewer that I have known for a decade. So The, the,
2: the funny part is drinking this. And I, I know it's an all, is this an all year beer for you? You make this all the time?
3: No, it's just a seasonal, so it's a seasonal. it's a spring, late spring seasonal for us. And so that's
2: what I was just thinking was like, I think I would want this in the spring, like when it when I'm coming out of winter, and I want that bright, summery freshness of a pineapple, or right? I that I was thinking spring would be like the perfect time for this beer.
0: See, I can crush this on a pontoon.
4: Yeah,
5: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Listen in listening to Little Big Town. Oh God. <laughs> On a pond, too. Uh, no. Crushing oh. it with my music references today.
0: Yeah, this is terrible. Okay. Well, let's you know um, what? Actually, let's go ahead and we, we need to
2: take a break. Yeah. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back with a third and last beer, but we're gonna hit you with this question from Win Trust Mortgage. Uh, it's their question that we ask everybody. They're a sponsor in this, this bit. Um, and Kyle Lehman has hopefully listened to the pod and hears that we're doing this stuff for him. Because he, <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps sponsoring us, so he's obviously happy with what we're doing, hopefully. Um, but the question is, and you think about this while you're on a break, while we take our commercial break, You are on a trip to find the most fresh tropical pineapples that you can find for making this scramble. And your boat sinks in the cove. You got no way off this island. Nobody knows you there. You are stranded. However, this island is magical. Trees have taps on them. Every beer you pour is perfect temperature, everything is perfect. It's magical. You get to select three to five beers that have to be on that island with you. So think about that. Three to five. Perfect every time. We'll have that answer when we come back.
7: We take a minute from this Three Beards Media Podcast to listen to a word from our sponsor, Kyle Lehman at Trust Mortgage. From our series of questions on what to expect when buying a home for the first time uh there was some conversation today on twitter about um to now not being a good time to buying a house they, they want to move and, and, and buy a house but because of interest rates and and so on they feel like maybe it's not the best time so what would you what is your response to that because i know that interest rates are higher than they were say two years ago when stacy and i refinanced through you but they're still coming down a little bit and i think maybe it's a good idea to 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 I think there's a little bit of fear out there of people doing now because they're afraid this isn't the best time to finance. Rates are high right now. A lot of people that you talk to are saying, well, I'm going to wait until the rates go down. How many other people are waiting until the rates go down? A lot, right? So let's say that there's a hundred people, 10 of those people go out and buy a house in the next month and they all spend 200,000 a piece, right? And they pay 6% for their mortgage. Those other 90 people, they wait. And then in three months from now, rates drop to 4.5%. Well, what do you think is going to happen when rates drop to 4.5% and those 90 people go look at houses?
1: It's what's going to happen? Isn't this kind of what way, happened
5: um,
7: the just like
1: last year, two years ago, where like everyone was trying to buy a house? Until so house prices kept going up. And yeah, then-
7: exactly. So the the market's going to get flooded, right? Instead of instead of five or ten people maybe walking through your house over a month span, those ninety people are now chomping at the bit. They've been wanting to buy for a year. They're waiting for rates to go down. They're going to go look at a house that's priced at two twenty five that the neighbor just bought for two hundred thousand, right? Let's say nine months ago, whatever. And that 225 is gonna be become gonna become two forty and because they're in a bidding war.
5: All right, here we go. You guys ready? I was born ready.
2: Yep. That's debatable. Um we're back. JT just said something stupid and we're gonna cut that out.
6: <laughs> I'm the one that edits this. We are not cutting that out. <laughs>
2: I guess he's got me there. So before the break <laughs> uh, and you heard that uh, ad from Kyle Lehman at Wind Trust Mortgage, we asked Andy the Wind Trust Mortgage special question. Trapped on a desert island, beer's always perfect. Three to five beers you absolutely have to have with you and go.
5: Um our hellas. Bit burger.
3: Summit EPA. I don't know. Those would be the three. The three. Yeah, I was thinking of that one. That might have to be the. Uh, yeah. I have, oh,
0: I have a hard time though. I feel like I can't have both Summit EPA and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale on the same island.
3: I, probably Summit for me. It's more a nostalgic thing, of course. But yep. I, I mean, I I love I mean, Summit EPA is. It's still just a banging beer. It's so good. Yeah, it is. Um. It's- yeah, I. Those would be the probably the top three. I'd be fine with that. Maybe like a Murphy stout. Are nitro taps an option on this island?
2: Uh, yes,
3: it's, it's whatever me. you want.
2: <laughs> yep, whatever you want. Nitro, nitro taps, side pulls. Uh Ooh. if you want a gas scale, go for it. <laughs> oh man, magic. now we're now, we're, now we're Yeah, talking. there's there's
0: there's a beer engine on this island.
3: Oh um, man, yeah. well that changes
2: everything. So <laughs> it's it's magic. It's all, whatever you want, and it's always perfect. So
0: Yeah, it yeah, no, just just keep thinking, just remember I put Sun Pillar on mine, so just you know, just keep thinking baby. No don't pressure. ah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> No. Okay. So uh, I think that's that's a different list than I think we've gotten. Uh, it's, it's a good list. I have I have no arguments about any of that, but that's a little bit different than we've gotten. Um, uh, Bitburger is one that probably should come up. More often than it.
3: Does. I don't know if we have. Yes should that. I love that beer. That beer is I'll have I'll a yeah. that beer that's like a year old and it tastes phenomenal. It's wow. like wizardry. I don't know how they do it. I love that beer. It's one of my favorite pilsners.
0: Cause... We should we should find a reason to get that on the pod.
3: Oh, it's so good. Yeah, we haven't done it.
0: Oh, we should get Joe Plouffe back on and make him drink that.
3: <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
0: I don't think he'd ever buy it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that would
2: put him in the four-timers club. We had him back on. We gotta wait at least another six months. <laughs>
6: Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get someone else on then. Damn it. Um. No, based on Tim's dating life, four times in a week's okay. Uh, no. Mm.
2: Um, uh. Terrible. Moving on.
6: <laughs> I'll just edit that one out.
2: <laughs> this beer is neon sunrise yes sir
0: this beer is one that i was very surprised that andy uh gave me to send to y'all uh not because i did not think that andy would do a very good job with this beer um andy is much like me in often in the old curmudgeons club (laughs) I'm double sorry <laughs> uh, so I did not expect this at all but <laughs> I actually had this at the brewery and um, I think what I mostly just want to say is Andy go for well, it well you
2: think about that because we haven't <laughs> even said what it is yet it's a hazy IPA yeah so this fucking guy has been on this podcast all night talking about loggers and yeah. all this shit. Did, did I get a lager? No. Well, sort of. Pills, you, you but... A, a pills is a lager? What the
0: hell? What are you talking yeah, about?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, but I get a, a wheat and a hazy IP out of this. And you're even so nice to put the uh, hops that are in it on the can. And it's Calypso... R- Raku, Rakao? Yep. yeah, Waimea, and Bitter Gold. So, so it's twisted metal copper.
0: Rakau R- is related to, to uh, we on the sun.
2: You're oh, right. yeah, we're, walk- we're walking on sunshine,
3: yeah, yeah. So, like, when I was thinking about what to send, I, we didn't have a lot of like, I wanted something, some stuff that was a little fresher. And we're kind of in between lager options right now. We didn't have a lot on tap. So Um, yes, I have been going on a lot all night about lager beer. Here we are (laughs) with our current hazy IPA. So this is our, one of our seasonal plugs. We do um, two different hazies in six month plugs throughout the year. First half of the year, we do one called Fog of War. Um, This one is Neon Sunrise, which just came out last month so it's a newer hazy for us um i like this one because we use some newer kind of hop products um we use a um an aroma extract from hop steiner called salvo um we use a newer yeast strain from omega called cosmic punch which is one of the new thiol yeasts. That's the new hot word is thiols. So
0: <laughs> so, so thialized yeasts are literally genetically modified yeast to, to, to yep. accentuate the thiols, which create that really fruity, almost gummy bear type of fruitiness that comes up. Uh, we've used Cosmic Punch and uh, what's the other one? Something, whatever uh in our in some of the hazies and they really do pack like a ball so so gold gold term, golden, Br- golden bramble had pineapple juice added uh thylized yeast are like adding fruit juice without having to add fruit juice
3: yeah it's like this they like these bound precursors that normal bee strains can't convert into aromas they yeah it's just they're they're modifying that they're they're, they're thializing everything i think it'll make it seem like every week they have oh thiolized chico it's like well what's going on here so yeah um but when we were we were talking to um omega about it initially they mentioned salvo as like a optimal aroma product for this yeast so you know with with our some of our other hazies especially fog of war like our brew house yield is just hot garbage we don't The yield is just total shit the amount of hops we use in the whirlpool Mm -hmm. um so this the aroma extracts kind of really help with yields because it's just like a it's in a can like a one kilogram can that we heat up before adding it to we usually add it into the boil it's just like um it's like the consistency of um like syrup if you heat it up in the microwave sure you just dump it in the kettle and there's your aroma charge right there so um, so it's been helped, helped us out with yields and, and, um, uh, for whatever reason, um, Omega didn't really specify, but they said, yep, the, the, um, salvo products are tailor-made for, um, thio, the thiol yeast. So I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. So, um, we use the, um, salvo, the, um, calypso and, and bitter gold extracts and then, um, the Waimea, Rekhao and then um, Calypso lupulin hop pellets, some dry hop. So it's very tropical, you know, some melon notes. Um, And it's just, you know, our quintessential hazy IPA. So no bittering hops whatsoever. Um, We do cool down the wort before adding though. We do a small whirlpool charge, even though we're adding the aroma hops, aroma extracts, we still do, no, that we don't, I'm sorry. that's. That's on fog war. I, I apologize. So we, that it's one thing with the yield is the aroma extract is there's no, there is no whirlpool hops. I think there's a small amount. Not like we would usually use on a hazy. Sure. I, it,
0: like it's got, like it literally has the aroma of when you open up, uh, like you're gonna go dry hop a tank and you open a fresh bag of hops. Like it literally had, like it, it's almost. Almost to the point where it's got kind of that greenness to it. You know what I mean? Like it's not even yeah. just just the 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 acids that are coming off, the, the humulones that are coming off. Like you almost get like a little bit of like an earthiness even to it. Like it's almost that fresh. Like like man, when I dry help a tank I always want to sneeze because the powder always
3: like, <laughs> Right like, yep.
0: like it almost has that characteristic to it
3: weird when you when we you know anytime we brew a beer like this when we first the first few days after dry hopping it's it's just unpleasant it's like the hot burn is just really intense yeah you know it takes a little while to mellow out and even sometimes we'll even when we package it it might still be a little hot but i feel like well by the time it gets to consumer it might that should be like a little more better timing because you know they're, they're not designed to last very long the package you know it's yeah, drink it I, fast please i mean I, <laughs> you know, like,
0: I don't i'm i'm jumping ahead on this tasting but i don't get hop burnt like so you know we have a we use helio glazer on one with that we were doing with nectar hops or Nectaron hops that uh uh was uh you know really bright and whatever and then we went to strata and it had like the really hot burn almost like that almost like taste the granularity in your throat, type of thing. This has none of that. Like it's very clean. So I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm jumping way ahead.
2: That's okay. I'm sure all the nerds appreciated all that. Yeah. <laughs> all two of all, them. All twelve people that listen to our podcast. Um, you mean Anya? Hi, hi, I, yeah. Mikey Revich. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So this. This beer is orange in color, orangey. Um, it is super hazy. Like I hold it up and completely block out the light in here, and I a lot of even some hazies I can see kind of the outline of the light through it. This one, nothing. I can't see a damn thing. Not my finger shadow on the back side of the glass, nothing. Um, So super, I know it's not thick, but thick in that it doesn't let anything through. Um, The head on it is pretty incredible. Very creamy looking. It has held its shape and, uh, you know, thickness since I poured it all the time while you guys were yapping. It sat here looked beautiful and perfect that whole time. Um, Except for when I accidentally stuck my nose in it for a second when I was trying to smell it um so that's you know impressive in that it's it's a very fine small bubble creamy looking head um the aroma side of it i'm sort of convinced that my nose might be broken today because i'm still not getting a a huge aroma out of it do you have covid uh maybe (laughs) i could be um
0: are you jt and just have allergies to everything for all the time
2: maybe i don't know it's it's
0: that weird because
2: because usually i you know can smell things so it's it's kind of strange
0: no like
2: i mean i get like- a little bit of fruitiness out of it um and again i'm sure it's probably more than a little bit everything seems sort of muted for me today for some reason so um but there's COVID,
0: a either COVID or a stroke
2: um, <laughs> I, no, no burnt toast smells. <laughs> um, so, um, but it still does have some fruitiness to it, and some, yeah, you know, some of those types of things. I, it's a little bit, oh, peach, peachy, maybe something like that um a stone fruit as tim always calls it i tried to narrow it but it's again to me very mild right now but um it's if got, i take a big old whiff i can still get that
0: it's got like a nectarine type of thing going on to it right um yeah i i certainly get that i i would echo that it's a very thick fluffy almost meringue like head um
2: meringue like that's good. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, we talked about the hops. We talked about the thylized yeast. I'm actually more curious about the malt
3: bill on this thing. Yeah, so it's two row, and then some oat flaked oats, and then we use uh, hella malt from Maltworks. Oh, okay. So, um, hella malt is an under modified malt that Maltworks makes. Um, super high in protein, super high in beta glucan. Um, they've kind of tailored it towards hazy IPAs. Supposed to be a chip
0: malt, like supposed to be like that protein rich kind of
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, um, well, I think what happened they the story goes like I think it was a batch they were making. Um I think it was just regular malt, and then they lost power in the process. And then um, you know, they sent it off to be analyzed just for kicks, and um they've kind of worked around, I think, that to um, make a use for it. So we actually brewed a lager with it just hundred percent. Wow. Hella malt. We did a triple decoction cause it's under modified. It's it's, it fits all the parameters to do a true decoction mash with under modified malt. So, but in this, this beer, we just use a, a small percentage. Um, we use um, like seven, seven, 8%. So a couple bags. That's
0: that's um, per- that's pretty good.
3: Yeah. I think that's that's what um brings out some of that. Um sorry, I lost my video here. I'm just trying to pop this back up.
5: Let's see.
2: Yeah. I mean nobody really wants to see me anyways.
6: <laughs> and confirm. No, I do Not I, even I, no,
0: no, I do <laughs> like the idea that, that that they got this out of a complete accident and they stuck with it. I mean, that's why JT's here. <laughs> but I think oh, that's, that's what, what aids
3: and what gives this beer, like some really nice head retention and mouthfeel as well.
0: I mean, it's, yeah. it's really like a fluffy full, like I said, marine, it, like it's literally sitting on there. It's, it is.
2: I think I could, you could spoon it out and like dollop it down <laughs> on top of something.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm very thoroughly impressed. And I'm also really impressed that you like, I, the thing that I feel like we've all gotten better about, but we still have not totally solved, is uh, rusting on on hazy IPAs, and this one just is still so bright orange, like it's almost like glowing orange, like there's, it has not dulled for, I mean I know it's not super old, but still, it's beer is meant to be consumed like yesterday and it's still got a like a a good brightness to it which is a lot of fun to see um again i think aaron's nose is broken but it does have kind of that bright citrus but also some of that stone fruity nectarine type of tangerine type of thing going on and almost like a grape like quality like a like a white grape type of quality which is kind of nice it 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 lends Right? Some of a a little um Chardonnay like characteristic, which I think some of these styles are missing because they're all just about orange juice, orange juice, orange juice.
3: Where I can see you, that.
0: Where this is more like kind of fruit cocktail type of thing.
3: Yeah. We were really shooting for like the tropical spectrum of things, so like kind um, of like yeah, like stone fruit and, and that the the calypso is kind of the star of the show. Like that's yeah. the bulk of the hop charge. And I think they they that's they, they say it's pretty prominent, um, like tropical. They don't specify, but it's it,
0: it's more it's, it's more it's more Five Alive than Sunny D.
3: Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's... wow.
0: It, it, make fun of me all you want, Aaron. You know you understood that reference exactly. It,
2: it, I did. It's pretty spot on.
0: It's funny. Um, you, you, I definitely you should did...
2: that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I definitely get uh the sweetness, a sweetness out of it, but it doesn't seem to last very long. Yeah. And then that acid brightness comes charging through. Um, you know, that uh, and a very again, very orange juicy comes it really comes forward and um really nice mouthfeel. I expected it to be more cloying and more sweet, um, but it doesn't. it, it really it gives you that at the beginning a little bit, and then it's like blastered right through with you that that but acid.
0: But there's like guava and papaya type of things going on in there too, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I think we, some of our earlier hazy, like that's another thing. Like this comes back to this drinkability thing. Like I want to, if I I'm not big on, I don't usually drink a lot of hazies It's not usually what I would. It's my first go to, but when I have one, I want to have be able to have a couple, and some of them are like overly sweet just too much one is enough so i want the consumer to come back for another one like want a well attenuated hazy but not being overly sweet you know yeah Um,
2: and and this isn't a monster on the abv scale either no you know we we see a lot of hazies that are in the sevens and this is a six six if i remember right when i looked at the can six two Um, should be six two 6-2? Okay, see, I, I think I've already yeah. misremembered, but
0: I, yeah, I I think the thing that I really appreciate about the Thialized East, because like the first Hazy that I had a second one of was a Thialized yeast, and I think the thing I have really appreciated is they have not had to rely on um, uh, high finishing gravity to necessarily come across as fruity, like so many other ones turn out to be like sugar bombs Right, yeah, not necessarily fruit bombs. And I think that's the nice thing about the thylized yeast, whether that's the Helio Gazer, or the Cosmic Punch, or whatever, is that it has more of a. I keep on saying brightness, and that's not the word I want. But it has like a spritzy, um, fruit. Well, again, five alive. <laughs> <laughs> versus, versus Sunny day, Which is just watered down Orange flavor
2: You could get You know where they try to make kids Drinks that are Orange or whatever right Have tropical flavors Say a Capri Sun or something But they try not to over sweeten them You know It's it's kind of like that
0: Are you trying to get kids drunk Aaron Is that what you're saying No mm, <laughs> No,
5: <laughs> that would be wrong. I didn't,
0: I didn't want to have to cancel you right now. Um, yeah. That no, would I, be the
2: last thing I got canceled for. There's a whole bunch of other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh,
0: yeah, uh, I, yeah. Andy, I expected the pills. The other two I did not expect from you, but um not that i didn't expect them to be great beers but they're also um very divergent from what i i typically expect from you um and they're really good examples um i like i'm i'm like you i don't i don't typically gravitate towards the hazy i'm not i've come around towards hazies right like I, i i like a lot of us guys, we we're. I think I was just a hater on Hazy's very early on. I, I've come around towards them as a style and learned there's a lot more art to making them done well. But that does not mean that that's the thing that when I go to our tap tower at the end of the day, I'm not going to pour our Hazy. I'm going to go to Tonka Light. I'm going to go to Purgatory Pills. I'm going to do something like that. Um, uh, But I appreciate where they're at. But it's still nice to see people paying, the, even people who don't uh, necessarily care for the style, of paying attention to to making the beer like that very well. So it's great. It's awesome.
3: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm with when it comes to happy beers. I still, I still geared towards a bitter IPA. You know, I when I think hops, I want like I want a West Coast IPA. That's probably my jam when it comes to um and some sort of happy beer so but you know we when we have a hazy on they i mean they sell like craziness so um you know I, i'm the same way i was a just a curmudgeon and resisted for a while and but partly because i just thought it was like everything was it was just everything was hazy i'm like there's more than just hazy ipa but you're right there's you know There's a lot of learning on how to make one taste the way it should. You know, some of the early ones we made were okay, but not not great. We had one that we didn't end up being hazy. It like turned bright clear in the in the fermenter. We're like, what happened? You know, it's like wasn't anticipated. But so you learn from you know your experiences and but I some of our processes, I think we've gotten dialed down pretty pretty well.
5: So.
0: Um, um yeah so um yeah no i mean um i really appreciate everything that that you've you've brought i think well i like i've told you this before bad weather is a brewery that when i have brewer friends that are in from out of town that's on the list to stop by uh shame me for never bringing aaron by before um, but that's only because I don't care about him or his opinions.
3: <laughs> well, shit. Next time, you guys got to stop by. We'll, we'll hang out. So, uh, I,
2: I, At some point, I'm going to have to quit dodging, and I'm going to have to bring my wife to Minneapolis so she can go to Paisley Park. So, ah. At some point, I'll have to come. Um,
6: can we hang out without Tim? No. Okay.
0: I'm well, not can-
2: telling you I'm coming.
6: I was gonna say
0: no, no, because the alternative is hanging out with you, JT.
2: <laughs> well, I'll, that. Call, I'll call. I'll call Wags. I'm calling you.
0: Uh, to be fair, JT is the <laughs> only one who has been to unmapped.
2: I, that's true. I haven't been there.
6: The talk of light is amazing. Thank you very much.
2: It is very good. Yep, yeah.
6: it's really good.
2: All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. We've spent, I don't know, probably an hour and 45 minutes with you tonight, Andy. Um, it's been really great. Really appreciate the beers. Um, do you want to tell people where to find you? Do you have socials or you want to plug the brewery socials or any of that kind of stuff? Go for it.
3: Sure. So you can find... Um any information about our beers badweatherbrewery.com we have a pretty good website up to date on what's on tap the haps that are going on we have a pretty good food truck list Um, so yeah check out badweatherbrewery.com you can find me on twitter or x whatever it's called now x at Rue brewer r-u-h-b-r-e-w-e-r so yeah reach out to me or or check out the brewery come check out the tap room we're just uh, five blocks west of downtown on West 7th so just outside of downtown St. Paul um, a nice patio um, you can see the um, the cathedral from the brewery so it's a nice it's a nice spot so come on by and check it out and um, see what we have going on tap. So usually you, at any given time at least two to three loggers so we like to, we like to push loggers but we've got a nice array of options from hazy IPA a couple darker options um usually one fruited sour so we've got a nice array of options on tap
0: so and still a little bit of three tree firefly
3: that is still on tap the collab one of the collabs that we did with the original breweries from back in the day between inbound formerly lucid prize that and um badger the three tree firefly mishmash is still on tap at our place so come check it out yeah thanks for having me guys it's been a blast
2: Oh, we we really appreciate it. Um, Please make sure you check out other podcasts on the Three Beards Media Network. Um, There are so many of them. I'm just going to tell you to go to threebeardsmedia.com and check them all out. You can find merch. You can find all the things that we offer there. Um, JT, I don't even know why I'm asking, but do you have anything (laughs) you want to add before we go?
6: I, we're getting rock and roll, bud. Let's go.
2: All right. Uh, Tim, any last words?
0: <laughs> I can't JT. stop laughing at JT. So you keep going. Man. <laughs> said, so, all right. Well,
2: um, that has been the latest edition of Bitter Units. Um, and uh, we'll be back again sometime. I don't know when with the next edition of the Hazy Haters Ball. Hate, 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 hate.
0: Oh, my God. You are the worst, Aaron. I know. (laughs) It's the best.
2: It's the best kind of worst.
6: (laughs) I got to pee. <laughs> I had a feeling I mean, like we need to take a break right now. I'm like he's got to take a piss <laughs>
4: yeah.
5: Oh, shit.
0: I'm going to check my barbecue sauce, make sure I'm not boiling over on my stove. I, I, man, I I tell you what, I did a, uh, a stir-fry sauce that turned out really Ooh. really
3: well. Oh, I might have to ask you that cuz we've tried
0: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, Uh, um, this one might have just been dumb luck because I've tried stir fry sauces in the past and I was not happy with it. But this one I'm really liking. I bought a bunch of, I bought a bunch of sauce bottles, and so my thing has been like, you know, aside from like ketchup, mustard, mayo, like basic condiments, like any specialty sauce I want to do, I'm gonna try to start doing, just to have it limited and on demand and things. And so I did a stir fry sauce. I did the barbecue sauce yesterday that I didn't like. Uh but I think I'm liking it better.
6: It's reducing right now. Um are you doing it from scratch? Are you getting recipes from somewhere? What's the inspiration?
0: Uh I start off with the with a recipe and then I kind of build it off of there. I never follow a recipe. So just normal cooking. So yeah. Yeah, I never follow the recipe entirely. Um but let me go check that and make sure it's not boiling over.
6: Okay.
2: Oh, now he leaves. I just got back.
6: (laughs) He's just making sure his barbecue sauce isn't going to boil over, so he'll be right back.
2: Give a shit about his barbecue sauce.